Now, in our generosity series, we've been talking about how generosity can meet a need, but it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to involve money. It can be time. It can just be love. So today we have a story of a little girl who saw the generosity box and decided that she wanted to be generous to her best friend and give her some butterflies. This is what generosity looks like to her. She knows that her best friend loves butterflies and that's what she wants to give her just because she can. Okay, so tell me you went to church one day and did you write a card out that you wanted to give? What did you write on the card? About something to give her with butterflies. That you want, and what's your best friend's name? Raylan. Raylan. How excited are you to give her this stuff? Very excited. Yay! I'm excited too. That's really sweet of Myla. Is she like this normally? She is. She's always thoughtful about others, especially her friends. Hey Raylan, Myla knows that you're a big fan of butterflies. She knows that you love butterflies. So your sweet friend, Myla, said that she wanted to be generous. So she's got lots of butterfly stuff in here. You want to get open up the bag for her? Let's show her. So we've got this for you guys to make some butterfly necklaces together. I love butterfly necklaces. Yay! She's got, it's butterfly wings. And she's got some too. And then we have a gift certificate for you to go to the All of Flutter Butterfly Farm all together to go have butterflies all around you. We've got another gift certificate for you to get a Caterpillar Castle Life Cycle Kit. I'll have caterpillars in there and you can watch them turn into butterflies. <laughs> what do you think? Yay, I'm so glad. <laughs> Have you ever seen someone do something very generous for someone else and then find yourself kind of thinking, gosh, why did they do that? What motivated that? What was behind that? I mean, when someone, maybe they were generous with their time or generous with their money or sacrificial in some way, and you look in reflection and go, man, what would make someone do that? Like, for instance, in the aftermath of Hurricane Florence, why, why would people take off of work? Why would people change their time off schedule? Why would people go to the eastern part of the state and help complete strangers? What motivates people to be generous? I, I think it's interesting, and I've noticed this, and maybe you've noticed it too, that truly generous people don't really see themselves as generous. They just do what they do. 
They just do what they do. There's some kind of internal motivation that just drives them to live a generous life. Have you ever thought about it? I mean, for you, have you ever thought about what motivates your level of generosity? Or, to be fair, the lack of generosity, maybe, that exists in your life. Have you ever thought about why you are generous or why you are stingy? Because why matters. Why matters. And here's the truth. God already knows the why. God's not surprised by the why. God looks at you, he looks at me, and he says, I know what you're about, and I know what's really motivating that. I know why you serve, and I know why you don't serve if you don't. God already looks at my heart and your heart, and he knows, I know why it is you're giving, or I know why it is you don't. So we might as well come clean with ourselves. We might as well be honest with ourselves and understand that why matters and be honest with ourselves and understand the motivation Behind the why? Because you and I deceive ourselves so quickly. We're so good at self-deception, pretending that, oh yeah, this is why I'm doing this, when really there may be something else going on. Why matters? Why are you generous? Or why are you not? In the first century, Paul the Apostle is writing to a group of Christ followers in Corinth, and he challenges them to be generous, but he has them consider the why. The motivation behind their generosity. What was going on is that we've got this church in Jerusalem that had a need. We're not exactly sure what their need was, but it was a need that could be met with a financial gift. So Paul challenged the Christians in Corinth to give financially to help the Christians in Jerusalem at the local church in Jerusalem. And while he was challenging them, he makes no holds barred. I mean, no, no mistake, he, he makes very clear. That motivation behind this was very, very important. Let's, let's look at it together. Paul says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart. Heart. It's important. That's where motivation finds its dwelling place, is in our heart. you got to consider what's going on in here. Don't give reluctantly because you have to, right? Because your motivation is important. Or under compulsion, or you feel pressure, right? No, 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 no. You, you understand this, that God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Now, that does not mean that God hates everybody else. It's not what it means. What he's saying is God loves it when people give for the right reasons, when their motivation is one of cheerfulness. The word cheerful there in the original language literally means hilarious. God loves it when people give from a hilarious heart, a joy-filled heart, a willing heart. Uh, I can't believe I get to do this kind of heart. So the why matters. And God blesses us when we give with the right motivation. Check this out. And God is able to bless you abundantly. How abundantly? Look at this. Imagine what it would be like if your life looked like this. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Look at that. All, 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 every. All, 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 every. Imagine what it would look like if you knew, man, 
all my needs are going to be taken care of and I'm going to have everything I need and the ability to help every time I have an opportunity to be generous to someone else. So I want you to think, since why matters, I want you to think, just for the next handful of minutes, I want you to think about your motivation for why you are generous or why you are not, why you're generous with your time or not, why you're generous with money or not, why you are generous and sacrifice for the needs of others or not, why you are generous to God or not, what is your motivation? Because the why matters. I'm going to give you three different motivations, and I bet you're going to find yourself at one of these three. And I want to challenge you to choose the higher motivation, the highest motivation, which we'll get there. Let's start with the first one. Three motivators to be generous. Obedience is like the base level, the bottom rung of the ladder, People give out of obedience because I have to, because it's in the Bible, and God said, and so I probably should, and yeah, I guess so, because, you know, yeah, because I'm, I'm a Christian, and other people are watching, and, you know, I don't want to make God mad, and I don't want to, I won't be the only one, and oh, whatever, you know, obedience, because I have to. It doesn't take much spiritual maturity to give at this level. This is kind of like the lowest level. Not much maturity is required. The unfortunate, sad thing here is that most people, most Christians in most churches are not even giving at this level. They're not even serving at this level. They're not even motivated at this level because they don't. They're not generous. They're stingy. They're not generous with their time. They're definitely not generous with their money. And so they're not even living at the level, the base level of obedience. They haven't even gotten to the point where they're willing to do what God commands. Now, don't raise your hand, but that's where some of you are. In fact, if I had to be really honest, I bet that's where way more of us are than want to admit that we are. I want to challenge you, at least start there. Obedience, but you can't stay there because that's like the lowest level of motivation. I mean, that's where it should start, and you should go way beyond that. Because I have to, really? Don't you desire a higher motivation than that? I mean, here, here's the second one. Some people are motivated by blessing, and they think, okay, because I want to give, because I want to serve, because I want to be generous. And, but honestly, it's, it's really leaning along the lines of what they get out of it. Because they want to be blessed. Now, is there anything wrong with being blessed? No. That's why God told us he would bless us. There's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to be blessed, and there's nothing wrong with being blessed. But we got to be careful with that because we turn everything inside. It only, it's only a matter of time we make everything about ourselves. And if that's your primary motivation, then it's going to become selfish really quick. I want to give, I want to serve, I want to be generous because I want God to bless my business, because I want God to bless my home, because I want God to bless my kids, I want God to bless my marriage, I want God to bless me, 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 and mine. Wait a second, who's this about, really? So even though blessing is a better motivator than just obedience, even that begins to fall short because we make that about us. Here's the highest motivation the best motivation, and the one that I challenge you to choose. You can almost probably see where this is going is love. Not because I have to give, not because I, I just want to give because I know I'm going to get blessed. No, 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 because I get to give. I get to be generous. I get 
to serve. I get to sacrifice. Are you kidding me? When I consider all that God has done for me, are you kidding me? When I consider all that God has put into my life, I get to be generous to God and to others. So sign me up. See, this is where spiritual maturity really becomes evident. And I would make the argument that this is where true generosity begins to take shape. It's at the level of love. It's not obedience. You could, I could, it's very clear. Obedience is just doing what God told you to do. It's not about being generous. Generous is when you go over and above what's required. And so this love thing is so important. Love for God. When you consider, you show me someone, you show me someone who's stingy, and I'll show you someone that has no clue how much God has already given them. No clue. Because see, gratitude generates generosity. Gratitude generates generosity. And the more grateful you are and aware you are of what God has already blessed you with, the more generous you will become. You show me a generous person, I will show you a grateful person. If they're truly generous, then somewhere along the line, they have come to the conclusion of just how much they've been given, how much they've been blessed. Love for God and love for others. Because people say this all the time. Oh, I love God. I love God. I, you know, but they're not generous. I'm like, I don't think you get it. Or they'll say this. I love people. You know me. I'm a people person. I just love people. All shapes, colors, sizes, backgrounds. doesn't matter. I'm just a people person. I love people. Well, are you generous to people? Because to say you love others and yet you're stingy when it comes to investing into others' lives, that just doesn't make sense. Because gratitude generates generosity. Out of love. Out of love. Out of love. So out of love for God, be generous. Out of love for others, be generous. Because lives are changed when you are generous. And the life that is changed first often is your very own. Why matters? Why are you generous? Choose the higher motivation. Maybe, maybe you're way up here somewhere. You're not even at the obedience level. Maybe you're just way, way up here. Well, then start here. Or just skip all this and go right to love. How about that? No matter where you are, if you're not here, then skip all this other mess and go right to love. And out of love for God and love for others, begin living a life of generosity and ask God to help you. You know why? Because for most of you, you're followers of Jesus. And Jesus was the most generous person that's ever walked the face of the planet. And because you follow him, and because of your love for him, much less for others, be generous. Let me ask God to help me and help you. And let's ask God together to help us live a life of generosity. Our Father, thank you for the clear challenge to consider our motives, for the clear challenge to consider the why, because the why matters, always has and always will. Help me to choose love over blessing and certainly over obedience. May I not be negligent. May we not turn inward. May we be motivated by the gratitude of all you have done in our lives. 
so that generosity is birthed and grows and flourishes at all levels. And may we be generous with our time and generous with our money and generous with our lives and generous in every way and show us new ways and greater ways to live lives that mirror the life of Jesus, the most generous person that's ever lived. We ask your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Man, it's so good to have you here, kind of challenging us in the why, the matters, and what we're being generous. But as promised, today we are revealing the next steps for us as a church. So you guys are getting ready to see the building for the first time. Everybody excited? Yes. Yes. Look, here's the deal. As a church, we have been here before. We have walked in these shoes before, and God during that time was faithful, and we believe that God is going to be faithful again as our church moves forward with these next steps. But here's the deal. As with anything, as you move forward, it's always great to look back to where you came from. Check out the screens. Let me tell you a story of a group of people who went before us who longed to create a different kind of church. They started in a middle school and eventually landed in a field, unaware of the impact that this church would eventually have in the community. They led, they served, they gave, and their dream, it grew beyond anyone's wildest expectations, and it inspired a new dream, a dream to start other churches throughout the triad. We honor the legacy of yesterday by leveraging the potential of today. We will continue to create a space where anyone can belong even before they believe. A place where people can encounter a God who loves them, a God who is for them. We will lead, we will serve, we will give, and our communities, they will be better for it. We will be better for it. Together, we will continue to make a mark on the hearts of our community that will last far beyond our own lives. May the next generation experience something extraordinary by what we do today, together. What do you think? Isn't that awesome? Man, we are so, so excited to move forward with these next steps. So here's what we're going to do in the next few minutes. We're going to kind of show you a little bit of the ins and the outs of the building. We're going to tell you what this building is going to allow us to do at an even, even greater level when it comes to ministry uh, with our community. We're going to tell you why this is so important. At the end, we're going to tell you how we're all going to be a part of making this happen. Does that sound good? All right, so real quick, I'm going to start with a civil engineering drawing. This kind of just shows uh, Highway 68. And you can kind of see the driveway coming up and the parking lots and the building right there in the middle. We have three, over 300 parking places this morning at our 930 service. We ran out of parking. We were parking people in the grass and all that kind of good stuff. So we need more parking. And then the front of the facility, what we were going for here is we wanted to make this facility look and feel just like this community, very horse farm community in Stokesdale, I mean in Summerfield and in Oak Ridge and Stokesdale. So we were really going for the lodge feel. So you see a lot of um, really natural materials there on the front of the building as we zoom in and see the front there. 
You can see the stonework around the entire bottom uh, of the building, a lot of brick, um, and then natural beams here. So all these beautiful timbers and uh, just a metal roof. So uh, you can see over here on the left side, there's like this silo. That's going to be a family ministries for our kids. It's an entrance just for families who have Peak and Kids Summit age kids there. So very excited about that. And then kind of here's the floor plan. So here's the, the big scheme of things. And then I'm going to zoom in here in just a minute. But you can see kind of there's this main corridor right through the front of the building. The lobby runs from the front to the back of the facility. And yes, that is a basketball court in the back. You're going to see a little bit more about that here in just a minute. But as we look to the right side, the auditorium makes up the, the majority of the right side. There's 510 seats there in the auditorium. So we got lots of empty seats for you to continue to invite your guests to. And then we have our permanent offices that wrap around uh, this entire side with conference rooms and all the things that we need um, to be able to do ministry there. We have a workroom over here so we can build sets for Camp Kids Summit and all the stuff that we're going to be doing uh, at an even greater level there. And then on the left side of the building, this is our kids space. Um, really quick, what I want to point out right here, this is to the left of the hallway. This is what we're calling our guest services gallery. I'm going to show you a rendering of that in just a minute. But we wanted to create a place that as you invite your first time guests, we want to have a better place to be able to host them. Um, so we're creating like a living room place. There's a, there's a fireplace in there and it's very cozy. There's barn doors that open up from the lobby to get into there. Um, so we're excited about that and being able to host your guests. And then... As I said, over here on the left side, we have this uh, kids entrance, family ministry entrance, and then we have our peak classrooms. So we have six peak classrooms, and as they get up to the ages where they're potty trained, we got these little shared bathrooms between the rooms there. And then we have this large theater over here for Kids Summit um, that will happen while we have our adult services going on. And in that room, there are six breakout rooms for those kids to be able to get into small group spaces and to be able to further their conversations there. One of those rooms is going to be a sensory room so we can really make sure that we reach all of our community here. And then uh, we have boys and girls bathroom back here because on this side, we'll be able to lock down this entire left side. So you see here, there's two uh, doors there. So once the service starts, we can lock down for security purposes um, so that no one can get into that side. So there's a boys and girls bathroom there. And then there's this room. This is really exciting. This is a room we wanted to create a space that um, for our Encore kids, these are kids that are volunteers' kids, for them to have a fun place to be able to go because moms and dad are here serving two services. So they attend one service and they have a fun place to go. This is also what we're calling our student hangout room. In this room, there's going to be foosballs tables. There's going to be booths going on. There's going to be slushy machines. There's going to be Coke fountain machines, all kinds of stuff for us to create an experience for middle school and high school students. That room connects to the back where the basketball court is and the, the patio and all this kind of stuff, the pergola and everything, uh, there's a huge garage door there that just opens up to the back there. Here's the deal. I grew up in an Episcopal church, and uh, I grew up in a church where the youth group was six of us, counting me, on a good day, right? Anybody else grow up like that? And the person that got thrown in there to be in charge of the student ministry was just like, uh, you don't, they didn't even want to be there, right? <laughs> They're just there kind of thing. And so we want to create a student ministry where kids are excited because I can tell you, not only did I not want to go to student ministry, but I sure wasn't going to invite any of my friends to go to student ministry either. So we want to create a space where middle school and high school students get excited about telling their friends, you have to come to my church. You're not going to believe what they have. This space is going to allow us 
to be able to do something called fifth quarter. Fifth quarter is gonna be where we host middle school, high school students after home games at Northwest or Northern, um, after football games, after basketball games, to be able to open up our facility for students to have a safe place to go after the games and hang out so they're not going out and doing things that you parents don't want them doing, right? We wanna create a safe place for people to be able to go and hang out for our students. And then here is kind of a rendering of the lobby. You can see all the exposed beams up top. Everybody say, ooh, ah, right? Uh-huh. And then all the natural light coming in, and then you kind of see those barn doors opening there into that gallery uh, where we're going to be able to host our guests uh, at an even greater level. And then here's the back of the building, so you can kind of see that space. There's the basketball court. Uh, and here, this the fenced-in area with the pergola and everything. And then we're hoping to put a couple of gas fire pits in there um, so they can roast s'mores, have movie nights, and all kinds of stuff uh, for our students. This is also going to allow us to engage our community at an even greater level. We love to host uh, Guilford County training days for teachers and stuff like that. So we'll be able to open up our facility for them to be able to come in and have team-building days, to be able to come in and have training, and to just have some fun and hang out because they need that every once in a while as well. Well, so that's kind of the building. What do you think? You excited about that? Isn't it greater than what you thought? I mean, it's amazing. So here's the deal. I mean, you probably thought at some point we were going to do this because you saw we're in a portable facility. Um, but us taking this next step really isn't about just getting out of a portable facility. The why is much greater than that. And Pastor Jonathan's going to explain a little bit more about that. Yeah, I want to share with you something that it probably took me, I'd say, I don't know, 10 or so years to begin to clue into. And it's not, it's not something that's like rocket science. It's not hard. It's just, and it's something that when I share it with you, you're like, well, that makes sense. That makes sense. And, and it made sense to me when I began to put this together. But, but it's good to see it. It's good to see why it is we would build a building because we could continue to meet, you know, in a, in a school. We could. Uh, you could continue to show up. And let people set up for you and tear down for you and, you know, and all that. But the people that are setting up and tearing down, they're like, man, we, would, we want to serve Jesus in any other way. Amen. Right? Right? <laughs> so anyway, we, th- there comes a time when you want to say, hey, let's, let's make a physical location in a community a permanent fixture. And not, and not just be kind of nomadic, you know. We're here and, you know... And, Temporary. So let me show you something. Let me. This is why we exist as a church. We exist for a person. We exist for Jesus. He is why we are here. This church is not about you. This church is not about Andy. This this church is certainly not about me. This church exists because of Jesus Christ and pointing people to him. Now, here's what's interesting is that yeah, and, and you'll probably, you'll, you'll understand what I'm saying. Most people just don't wake up one day and say, I need Jesus. Most people don't find their way to Jesus on their own. Most people need help getting to Jesus. And many people, and maybe some of you, found your way to Jesus through somebody else through people in your life. It may be someone in your life that was a follower of Jesus, greatly influential in your life, and they invested into your life, and you are a follower of Jesus today because of them. It very well may be that that's your story. However, even though that happens a lot, most people, 
Most people in the South, in the Bible Belt, in the Southeastern United States, it's where there's a church on every corner, and I mean a church building on every corner. Most people find their way to Jesus through a place. Through a place. And by a place, I mean a physical space. Now, here's what's tricky about this. It's not about the place. It's not about the building. It's not about the building we're going to build. It's still about the person. But most people are invited by other people to a place, and in that place and in that space, they enjoy an environment and experience an environment where they learn about and encourage to take next steps towards the person that this thing is all about. The place only matters because of the person. The place and the space is only significant because of the person. If it's not for Jesus, then this is a waste of money, and this is a waste of time, and this is a waste of energy. Jesus makes the place, the space, worth anything, and that's why we're building. We're building not because we want to have a building. We're building because most people come to Jesus through an experience they have in a place where they will meet other people. And by being in a place where they meet other people, they together take their next steps towards the person. Jesus Christ is what this is all about. So I hope that helps put it in perspective. Uh, don't ever forget it. It's not about the space. It's not about the place. The Spirit of God does not live in a building. He lives in people. Okay, And so as a church, we can never, ever, ever lose sight of why we're building but what we're really about, and that's Jesus. Mm, so good. All right, so here's the deal. As you look at a facility like this, you're probably wondering, the big question is, how much is it going to cost, right? I mean, that's what we're all wondering. So what we did is we had the architect come and design all this, and then we sent this out to a local contractor to do a feasibility study. And uh, so we had a bunch of subs tell us what is it going to cost to do all these different parts. So with the site work, um, that's all of the driveways, the parking lot, getting the site ready for the building, to build the building, to be able to furnish the building with all the furniture because we're going to buy padded seats. Everybody said amen. Yeah. We're going to have some nice seats up in there for you and for your guests. Um, but for all the furniture to be able to do that, all the audio-visual equipment to pay the architect, the engineers, everything, the price tag is $5 million. Isn't that cool? Everybody's like, that ain't nothing. Everybody say, that ain't nothing. That ain't nothing. That ain't nothing. Everybody say, we got this. We got this. Everybody say, we got this and I'm going to do my part. <laughs> you took a little bit more motivation there. <laughs> so it's $5 million. So here's what we're kicking off today. We are kicking off an 18-month building campaign where we're asking everybody to participate in this campaign. And this campaign is going to be called We Are For Northwest. And here's why this is so, so important. Because here's what happens to most churches. When they get to the point to where they raise money and they build a building, most churches at that point do something that we don't want to do. They turn inward. And they become all about themselves and they think, oh, we've arrived, we've arrived. Now that we can just have this country club church, right? You've seen churches like that. I can promise you, as long as I'm the pastor of this church, we will not become that church. And that's the reason this campaign is called We Are For Northwest, because we want to make sure that in all of this, we stay outward focused, that this is nothing more, this building is nothing more than another tool for us to be able to show our community that we are for them. And we're going to maximize this tool to the greatest level. So 
We are for Northwest because there's people right here in this community, all around, even further than the Northwest community, that all they know about church right now is what the church is against. And we want to be known for what we are for. And this building is just another way for us to be able to do that. Now, we have two goals with this in mind. Jonathan, first goal is? 100% participation. We want everybody to participate. And by everybody, I don't just mean Oak Ridge. We mean Kernersville. They're seeing this for the first time uh, this morning. And Jamestown are also seeing this for the first time. However, somebody pulled the fire alarm in the yeah, first service. Some of them didn't see Jamestown. it. They had to leave. Some of them didn't see it because somebody's kid... <laughs> Uh, was it a kid? I don't know. I don't know that. It might have been an adult. It could have been an adult. So you're blaming on the student ministry. I don't know. Yeah. That's what happens in church. It was kids, you know. My goodness. (laughs) Anyway, and so the the bottom line, the point is, is that everybody is seeing this for the first time and getting the vision together because we want 100% participation at all of our locations. But nobody's going to own this like you guys. Nobody is going to own this to the level that Oak Ridge does because this is your community and this is your place and space we're talking about where you're going to be inviting your friends. So we don't expect everybody to give the same, but we do expect everybody to participate. It's not about equal gifts. It's about equal sacrifice. And so everybody can do something. And, and that is something that we want you to take to heart yep. is that everybody can participate. Everybody can participate. Our second goal that we believe we're going to blow out of the water, I'll be honest with you, I think we can raise $5 million. And oh, yeah. we, we could do this debt-free. I mean, yep, would yep. it be cool to pay cash for this building and move in and not have a building payment? It would be amazing. But the first step in getting to that that we feel like we can just accomplish easy is we want to raise $1.5 million in 18 months, $1.5 million. This is going to help us be able to go, let's do this. Let's get going. Let's get started right away. And uh, that's our second goal. Now, with that, uh, you might be thinking, uh, well, what, what, is, what does that mean? I mean, how am I going to help out with that? So what we've done is we're going to show you here in just a minute when he talks about equal sacrifice, everybody does something. We want you to know that you can do something. We're going to show you what that looks like here in just a minute. But for some of you, maybe it's maybe you're going to do like what my family does. We had to sacrifice. Here's what we did. We have put off a large purchase. Those of you who know me, I'm driving a truck that has a lot of miles and it's very old. It looks old and all kinds of stuff. But we have delayed the purchase of a, of a new truck for our family. And we're saying, hey, you know what? For 18 months, we're going to put that off. We're going to hope and pray that that truck lasts us. And we're going to give like crazy. We're going to sacrifice and we're going to give like crazy to this building campaign because we want to see this happen. For some of you, maybe, maybe you go, uh, you know, go out to eat almost every single night of the week. And for you, it may be that you could just say, hey, let's, let's cut two nights out and let's put that money toward the building campaign. Or maybe you order water. Maybe for some of you, you need to go from five tri- trips to Starbucks every day down to like one trip to Starbucks every day. Some of you are tracking with me, right? But we know that everybody is going to have to sacrifice at some level. Now, here's my deal. When we ask you what you can do over the next 18 months, this isn't how much money you have currently in your bank account. Because if you're like me, I have these things called kids, right? And they literally have a straw to my bank account. And it's like this constant (laughs) sucking noise of money just coming out. So not what you have in your bank account right now, but what could you sacrificially do over the next 18 months to see us raise this $1.5 million. And I believe we can do it very, very quickly. All right, so 
Here's the ministry call sheet. You, we're just gonna breeze through this because you can see all of this stuff. We created a website, 4nw.net. You're gonna get some information before you leave today. But all the stuff that we're talking about today is on this website. So we wanted to create where you could just see, hey, here's what the experience for one chair costs. And when I mean everybody can do this, I mean everybody can do this. You might say, you know what? We can buy a whole row of chairs. Or maybe you wanna buy two rows of chairs. Or maybe for somebody you're like, man, I, I think we could knock out this. Maybe you got a heart for guest services and you see what this gallery is gonna do and how it's gonna up our game for where as you invite your guests and you wanna, you wanna help pay for some of that. We hope this will inspire your gift. Maybe you have kids in the peak ministry, our preschool ministry. Maybe some of these are the areas that inspires your gift to give. I don't know, maybe it's Kid Summit. Here's some stuff for Kid Summit. Here's the cool thing, look at this. Kids, all of our kids' ministries, Peak, Kid Summit, and Impact, they're all gonna be doing things in their ministry to be able to raise money because we wanna inspire them to be a part of this too. So a kid could actually, for $40, pay for a carpet tile to be able to invite another kid to come to church with them. So we really wanna get everybody involved. Impact Student Ministry, Gaming Systems, the Basketball Court, the Outdoor Area, where we're gonna be able to do these fifth quarters and stuff. This is going to be a space where we're gonna be able to do ministry at an even, even greater level. Now, as people look, as you look at this five million, I know there's, there's two groups of people in the room. Some of you are going, well, pastor, I, I'd love to give, but honestly, times are tough. And, and for some of you, maybe times are tough. Maybe you look and go, I, I, I don't know if I can do anything right now. I believe everybody can do something at some level. We're talking over the next 18 months. But some of you go, well, yeah, but that's really not going to do anything toward that big goal. I mean, that's a pretty big goal. If you guys remember back during the summer, we did a series uh, on the miracles of Jesus. And I had uh, the privilege to be able to preach the last message where we looked at when Jesus fed the 5,000 men and women and children. So the total that day was 15 to 20,000 people in the crowd. And I want to ask you, you remember who gave the ingredients for the miracle? for those people to be fed? Do you remember who gave the ingredients to Jesus? It was a little boy. Little boy gave up his lunch that day to feed 15 to 20,000 people. And when he gave up his lunch, he, he sacrificed something for the greater good of everybody else. And what he gave was obviously not enough. I mean, it was nowhere near enough to be able to do what was needed to be done, but he gave it anyway. And what I believe the little boy understood and what I believe Jesus wants us to know is that don't discount what God can do because when we bring our not enoughs to the God of more than enoughs, that's when God can do the miracle. And I believe he wants to use each and every one of us. Now, the other group of people, you're here today and you're thinking, yeah, somebody else will do this. Yeah, a lot of people assume that in a church our size, you know, three locations, even even looking around at Oak Ridge and say, oh man, we totally got this. This is easy because I know, I know there are other people here and I know, what, I know what they make, I know what they make, I know what they do for a living and they really love Jesus. And so I'm sure they're going to give. So I don't need to give. So do not do that. Do not assume because, because here's the deal. Nobody can give what you're supposed to give for you. Let me say that again. Nobody else can give for you what you're supposed to give. You have to do that. And I'm sure you want the blessing, right? I mean, we've already covered that, and I'm sure that motivates you. I mean, if you're good with other people being blessed by God, fine, okay? But I bet you want that. And so don't assume that somebody else is going to give. And let me talk to the other end of the spectrum. Andy addressed the fact that there are people that are saying, well, I, I don't have enough, but you can bring your not enough to the God who's more than enough, and he can do miraculous things with it. 
But there are also a group of people in our church who you got plenty of money. You just do. And I know this is kind of crass, but let's just, I don't know if you've ever, some of you have ever looked in the mirror and go, wow, God has given me the ability to make a buttload of money. A boatload, buttload, I don't know, boats and butts. They both can be big. Um, a lot of money. All right? <laughs> Sorry, that was, I'm sure there was a line I crossed somewhere back there. I'll go, I'll find it later. Anyway, you make a lot of money. And some of you, God has given you the ability to do that. You're smart. He's given you opportunity. Have you ever wondered why that's the case? Have you ever wondered why God has given you the ability to make the kind of money you make? When you look at, listen, I just got back from Africa, y'all. You do not want me to get on a little rant here on how much we are blessed. Okay, I'll save that for another time. Aren't you glad? But maybe you've never looked in the mirror and go, wow, God, why have you given me all the things you have given me? Because I know I have more than most people. If you think for a cotton-picking minute that God has blessed you to the extent he has blessed you just so that you can feel cushy and blessed until heaven gets here, you got another thing coming. You're totally missing this. God says, through Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is required. And so to look in the mirror and go, hey, God has given me a lot. So though some of you, you have a lot. Don't assume somebody else with a lot will you need to seriously consider how God wants you to be generous with what he has given you. Because for some of you, he's given you a lot and he's given you a heart to want to do great things with it. So now's your chance. Now's your opportunity. And your part is definitely a part of everybody participating. Yep. So as you leave today, we're going to give everybody a pledge card, and we're going to ask you to take this pledge card. There's a ton of information on it. On the left side, it's going to tell you what we're asking. We're asking three things of you. We're going to ask you to take and explore. We want you to go to our website, 4nw.net. It's on the card. Explore. You can look at the building, look at the floor plan, look at the renderings. You can be inspired with your gifts at whatever ministry environment that you really care about. And then we're going to ask you to pray. And I, I know we ask you to pray, and you guys are like, really, i got to pray about this? Yes. Because here's the deal, this is so much less about raising money, and it's more about God growing our faith. If we go through this whole process and we don't give sacrificially and we don't have God grow our faith through this process, then we've missed out on this opportunity. So we ask you to take the pledge card, and then what we want you to do is we want you to bring your pledge card back by October the 28th. You can fill it out online. You can fill it out on the car. You can drop it off next Sunday. You can drop it off two weeks from now. But please fill out the pledge card, 100% participation, and let us know what you feel like your family, with God's help, will be able to do. Now, here's the really, really exciting thing. Everybody's like, when are we going to break ground? We are taking steps already to be able to make sure that as soon as all the money we need to be able to do this is available, that we're ready to go. I mean, we're going to be sitting on green. And here's what I mean. We've already released the architect. We've already said, hey, let's go ahead and fund the architect. He's already working on the construction documents, taking everything that we have here now, and he's already doing everything we're going to be able to need to go to permitting. So we're moving ahead in faith. But then here's the other cool thing is there is a group of people, there are some people that come to our church and even people who don't go to our church because you guys do such a good job in this community. They look and they go, man, if I were going to invest into something, I want to invest into what this church is doing because they're making the community better. And because of their generosity, there is already $395,000 given to this. So you can kind of look at it like your money's already going to be matched up to $395,000. Isn't that cool? That is so awesome. 
we're already got a huge, huge step in that direction. But I want to come back to something. Yeah, I say something? let me break in right there. That does not mean we're ready to start turning dirt. No. Okay. Just, just to clarify, it means we're well on our way. Yeah. Remember, we're, we're that first goal of 1.5 million, that's a key marker. And so you say, well, when are we going to break ground? It depends on how much and how quickly it is given because that determines the structure of how the banks are going to work and all this kind of stuff, construction loans. And, all and of course, if we get $5 million, we won't have to worry about the loan, which yeah. would be really, really cool. That'd and we'd be, cool. be in the driver's seat completely. So for those of you who are like, man, I want to know when it's going to happen, when we're going to break ground. Well, then what you need to focus on is give like you're supposed to give. You give like God wants you to give, then we will break ground ASAP. I can, we promise you that. Yep. All right, I want to come back to something real quick. So at the beginning, we showed you a video, and we told you that we've been here before. Now, I, I want to kind of rewind and take you back. See, our church has been here before. We met at Southeast Middle School for eight and a half years as a church before we built our Kernersville location. And there's some of us in this room that were here during that time. And there were about 500 people at the time where we had just bought the 30 acres of land uh, where our Kernersville location is, and at one time it was just tobacco fields. It was just dirt, okay? But there was a group of people who said, you know what? I want to see something up there on that land. I believe God is going to do something big up there on that land, and I want to sacrifice. I want to give because I believe that my kids, my middle school, my high school kids, my preschool age kids, they are worth it because the foundation that they have in their faith is going to be what takes them into college. It is more important than what college you send your kids to. I can promise you that. Their foundation in their faith is going to be so much more important. But these group of people, they gave. They sacrificed. And because they gave, because they sacrificed, that dirt became a building. And you don't have enough time today or this week for me to tell you the stories of life change that has happened in that facility because somebody gave, because somebody saw past the dirt. You have no idea how many middle school, high school students have come through that facility and learned about who Jesus is and given their life to Christ. And their all of eternity has been sealed because of that decision, because somebody gave. And here today, you and I are in a similar boat. Here today, we have an opportunity. We've got 14 acres of land, and right now it's just dirt. And I want to ask you, is what are we going to do with this opportunity? Are we going to see past dirt? Are we going to see past the dirt to see what God could build there on that facility to see lives be changed? I believe years from now, we're going to look back on this day and we're going to go, man, I'm so glad I gave to that. Because look at this person's life. And maybe that person that you're talking about is your spouse. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's a coworker. But I believe God is going to use each of us to make this happen. And I believe he's going to grow our faith. So as you leave today, we're going to ask everybody to go out. And we actually have some dirt that we went over to the land, dug up, and we brought it out here today. We're going to get everybody a jar. We're going to ask you to go and take your jar and scoop some dirt and put it in your jar because we want you to leave today with one of these jars of dirt, one per family. We're going to ask you to take this and put it somewhere in your house. And over the next few weeks, as you pray and ask God, what does he want you to do through this opportunity? I want this dirt to be a reminder to you. And what, is, what are we going to do with the dirt? Are we going to sow into it? 
I want you to be a reminder to you of the lives that are going to be changed because we all do our part and we give to this initiative. Jonathan, would you pray for us? Let's pray together. Dear Father, we thank you. For those that have come before us, whose shoulders we stand on today, who sacrificed and gave to a vision that they had no idea just how big and how far and how reaching it would go. And we have the same opportunity. We have the same opportunity today before us to invest into eternity, to invest into eternally significant things, to show a community that we are for them, not against them, because you are for them, not against them. And Jesus came to show the world he was for them, not against them. Thank you for what you've invested more than we can even begin to comprehend. And now you have invited us to join you and follow in your example. Lord, may we not be hesitant to give what we cannot keep, to gain what we cannot lose. And may we invest on behalf of this community, on behalf of the mission of Jesus. Show the people that don't feel like they have much what they can do, how they can give something. And for those that have more than enough already, that you've blessed with great means, may they be honest about that. And may they consider and follow the direction of your spirit for how they are to be generous. And may everybody discover the something that we all can do together. And, they, and may this day be something, like Andy said, we look back on and remember and reflect on as a, as a key day in the mission of reaching people that are far from you, helping so many people receive and share the love of Jesus. Thank you for inviting us in, letting us be a part of it. We can't wait to see what you're going to do next. In Jesus' name, amen.